Welcome back to our street. Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder here as always. Kurt, how are you doing today? Lynn, I'm well. It's been a beautiful day. And uh, uh, I saw our guest earlier today. And uh, I, before the show got started, I was, you know, having fun with uh, how I had to time up to a poll to give him to say yes to to an interview. However, when you have someone is someone who is as passionate as Tim Rena, having him tell um, what's the what's the Holly Historic District Holly Historic District and it's up uh, between uh, Vine from S to uh, T you and know that better because we actually manage that a uh, couple of houses that block that I think of to the uh, gardening uh, that uh, that you work there for those listeners Tim who don't you could uh, a bit about yourself you know your uh, early days and how you come in charge a wonderful uh, uh, up there in the the holly uh, area well i turn 68 next month and so i'm going to spare you guys okay everything except for like the last 13 years all right okay and um until i was 53 years old i was the son the fifth generation member of my family on both sides that had come to Nebraska in Southeast uh, Johnson County and uh, Pawnee County in 1868. And uh, they were all farmers who had come here to to get very affordable land. And um, my parents grew up on farms uh, during the depression uh, in Southwestern Johnson County and Northwestern Pawnee, I guess. And um, they grew up without electricity. They grew up without running water. Their fathers farmed with horses. They had no refrigeration. Um, And they both left the farm in the 1930s, actually in the 1940s. And um, so I've, I've been immersed in agriculture probably for thousands of years, if you go back to my German ancestors. But as a, as a good American who'd grown up in the global food system, I never paid a single moment's attention to where my food came from. My father tried to get me to help him in the garden and I always did it under duress with very noisy protest, okay? It was boring, I wanted nothing to do with it. And so what I did for the first 53 years of my life, Lynn, was eat. That was my connection to the food system. That was my role in the food system is somebody else was responsible for putting it on the shelf or putting it on the table. And it was my job to eat it. And I was perfectly happy with that arrangement until um, in 2008, I came across an article from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which had been around for 20 years at that point. And they did this big announcement in April of 2008 when they were in Budapest for a international conference that, oh, and by the way, folks, climate change, which is going to you know, melt ice caps and raise temperatures all over the world and cause extreme weather, um, it is also gonna make it harder to grow food. And we are gonna be looking at food shortages. That's when at age 53, I started paying attention to where my food came from and not before that. So I'm in no position to throw stones at anybody. Uh, here I am, um, um, upper middle class, college educated, white, straight, male. Um, retired. Retired, yeah. Okay, here I am living off of you know pension and so forth. I mean, like I, I've led this golden life 
And what I'm doing now is a voluntary penance for all of the years when I paid no attention to my food system and allowed us to get into the situation that we're in now where our food system is insecure. So, so that's kind of a, uh, just a, uh, <clears throat> just a broad overview just of how we got to the day and, but we're not quite today yet, but today's big news. Uh, could you just share what that big news was today, uh, Tim, and then we'll you know, come back, then we'll come back into how you got involved with that. So what was the big news that was covered today? Well, starting in 2009, I started tearing up my lawn to put in an edible landscape and for a while, for a year or two, I actually labored under the absurd notion that I could grow enough food in my own yard to feed me and my family. It was a stupid idea. There's no foundation in reality. I can't imagine how I ever entertained such a notion, and it's not true. All right. But I worked at that for about four years until a neighbor who was actually a Trumper, and so we didn't have a whole lot in common, popped over one day and um, and wanted to know what I was doing when I was out there gardening in the public right away. And so I, I said, well, I'm, you know, trying to grow a little food for my family. And he said, oh, oh, well, you know, well, I do all my hunting and fishing at the grocery store. And I kind of shook my head and I said, yeah, we all do. All right. And he said, but I'll tell you what, when disaster strikes, I'll know where to come for dinner. And at that point, I realized that to borrow John Dunn, no man is an island, all right? There's no way that, first of all, I can grow the food I need to sustain myself in my own lot. But if I have food and my neighbors don't, guess where everybody's gonna come to expect to get something to eat? This isn't going to work. Agri urban agriculture is not going to succeed if we work on the premise that we can all do this by ourselves. We are by definition in a cooperative environment. It is called a city. It is called the city of Lincoln, the capital of Nebraska. We have to do this all together. Everybody has to do their part. So starting about 2010, 2011, I became involved in the whole notion of, well, maybe we need to get city government involved in this process. Maybe we need to have local government actively promoting agriculture and encouraging people to grow whatever food they can in their own yard, in their own apartment balcony, wherever, their own windowsill. And today, after 10 consecutive years where we have been working in conjunction with city government, we revealed the mayor's local food system plan for the city of Lincoln 2023 to 2027. This is a five-year plan to get Lincoln started on relocalizing its food supply. There have been times over the past 10 years that I thought I would never live to see this day. And it's not anything that is going to require a tax increase. There's no budget associated with it. But the goal now is to place this plan before the Planning Commission on the 23rd of August and then on the 18th of September, after it advances from the Planning Commission, if it does advance from the Planning Commission, it will go to the City Council. The City Council will hold a hearing. And then, since it's my understanding, it is just a resolution that, if adopted, would be added to the Lincoln-Lancaster County Comprehensive Plan. If it is adopted, 
the following day on the 19th of September, it will go to the Lancaster County Board and they will have a hearing and they will vote on it. And at that point, if everything goes according to plan, then we will have a local food plan in the Lincoln-Lancaster County Comprehensive Plan, just as we now have a climate action plan inside the comprehensive plan. And that will be a plan that will be in, in place until 2027. Like I said, there's no money associated with it, but what we will have adopted that, at that point is a skeletal structure of what we need to do to start relocalizing our food supply in Lancaster County. And that will cover the whole issue of production, the whole issue of processing, the whole issue of market development. It will cover education, and it will also cover social service needs to make sure that everybody in Lincoln has access to the food that they need. That's the plan right now. We have no flesh on those bones. So what we're gonna be doing the next five years and the five years after that and the years after that is figuring out how to start relocalizing our food supply so that the city of Lincoln and Lancaster County and Southeast Nebraska is not completely dependent on the global food system. I got up this morning and saw that Russia had terminated the wheat shipping agreement with Ukraine. And the word on the international press is that this is going to create food shortages around the world and that food prices are gonna skyrocket. We are in an interconnected global food system nowadays. And if all we do is count on that global system to feed us, we are walking off the edge of a plank. Right now, Nebraska brags about being one of the food capitals of the world. We're the bread basket. People are, are relying on us. And yet 90% of our food dollar leaves the state because what we grow are basically field corn and soybeans. And I don't know the last time any of us sat down to a meal of field corn and soybeans. <laughs> All right. Edamame maybe, okay, but not but not soybean meal. And so we in, we in effect are no more safe dietarily than somebody who lives in a sky rise in um, New York City as somebody who lives in Trump Tower. Um, here we are, food, food basket of the world, okay? And we can't even feed ourselves anymore. And you contrast that with 1945, when probably 90% of the food that we ate was locally produced, either inside the city from market gardens or in the prairie urban area or around the, the small towns in Lancaster County or the entire region of Southeast Nebraska. 90% of what we ate came from here. Sure. Those numbers have just been flipped. So there's a whole lot of history. There's a five-year plan. And just as you noted, this five-year plan is, won't be solved in five years, but, uh, but every five-year period will be a look back. It'll be a correction. It'll be a, a readjustment going forward, right? right. So while we're, we're within the nuts and bolts, and I think in the second half, we'll get into some what are those goals of the plan and whatnot. But if we could talk about, more about the nuts and bolts, <clears throat> So let's say that we get to 2027. Uh, you know, we're still way early be, to do a comp plan update, minor update, whatnot. 
does the planning department update this food plan or is it this local food planning committee? Do they update this food plan? And then does it go through the same process again? So if people aren't you know, feeling confident about where they are right now and, and they're just kind of on the beginning end of this conversation, but if they will be more involved later on, what's that process look like in five years? I wish I knew. That's part a fair answer. Part of the reason that we chose the five-year plan is to actually give us a horizon so that there's a yardstick out there. I mean, the whole notion about, oh, let's adopt the local food plan. Oh, great idea. All right, you adopt it, you put it on the shelf. There are no yardsticks. There are no benchmarks. Who knows where you're at and how you're going to get there? We finished a draft of this plan the end of March and gave it to the mayor. And the mayor looked at it. She said, it's pretty good, but it could be better. And we said, thumbs up to that. I love that kind of response, okay? Rather than, oh, this is way too much. You know, and the mayor was no. But one of the main things that she said it was missing was that there are no metrics to measure our progress. And we said, we'll happily put them in. So it took us another three months to actually go back and, and do the doctoring to the plan so that we can do this. So we're gonna, it is now, the 19th of September, the plan has been adopted by the city council. It has been adopted by the Lancaster County Board. It's in this the Lincoln-Lancaster County Comprehensive Plan. Then what? Once again, there's no budget associated with this. As one of our core team members, one of our steering committee members pointed out the other day, is the city of Lincoln has hundreds of people who are working on shelter in this city. And hundreds of people that are working on water in this city, all right? But there's not a single person who's been hired to work on food. And so what we have to do basically is reinvent the world starting with day one, is we don't have any infrastructure in place right now. Now, I don't want everybody to get bummed out <laughs> because, you know, we didn't even have a plan for the past 75 years since the end of World War II. Now we've got a plan, all right? And we have a notion of what it is we have to do to actually build a food system, but we don't have anything in place to do that right now. A lot of the schools that we build nowadays don't even have kitchens any longer. They've got heat and serve facilities, all right? And so someplace in Lincoln, you're getting food produced, they're actually doing some baking, they're doing some cooking and so forth, but an awful lot of what we, we do actually comes off a truck and it's in a carton, all right? And so somebody somewhere cooked and, and, and baked the items that are in that carton, but we've gotta be able to just start figuring out how to do that for ourselves. Well, Tim, we appreciate that. And I, I'm really interested after the break here to ask you some um, uh, questions about, you know, resources that we do have. But for our listeners, don't go anywhere. We're going to be back in just a couple of minutes and continue this really interesting conversation with Tim Renna. We'll be back shortly. Like in the College View area here where our office is, it's a great farmer's market and uh, tons of people come and buy their food there. And those are you know, crops. We'll talk more about it in the second half of the show, but I want to find out if you're going to, I hope, incorporate those types of uh, resources, current resources into the plan. Welcome back to Our Street. Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder today. We're having a really fun conversation with 
uh, Tim Rinna, and he's the uh, the gentleman who uh, has all the answers here for the food challenges for the city of Lincoln. And if you've ever driven uh, around uh, kind of the north part of uh, of the central part of town, and you're you're over by the Holly Hamlet, you'll see him out there with his big hat and his uh, long sleeves and a hoe. And he'll be uh, he'll be out there working and sweating while we're uh, in our nice air conditioned cars uh, driving around. So Tim, uh, hopefully some of our listeners uh, know about what you do. But the first half of the show we were talking all about the new food uh, localized localized food system plan that you're working on. And so I want to find out about who's on your steering committee, and uh, and, and and as you talk about that, tell me about. Uh, the farmers markets that we have in Lincoln and how you're going to incorporate that resource into the food plant. Farmers markets are, are a magnificent development for the city of Lincoln. They become more and more popular over the past decade. They're going to be an integral part of what we do going forward from now on. And, and they're going to be, they're going to be even more widespread. You're going to see more neighborhood farmers markets popping up. Okay, as people become more oriented to producing their own food. One of the first things that I'm going to be promoting, though, with this food plan, should the city council and the county board adopt it, is that I'm going to be urging people who can garden, who have a yard, people who have a garden, who have a balcony and can garden in containers, people who have windowsills with southern exposure and so forth, I'm going to urge that every single person start gardening and one of the ways that we're going to do this is if it's going to happen at all is we're going to get dignitaries like the mayor of the city telling people it's important to start growing some of your own food right now the city of lincoln needs over one and a half million pounds of food shipped in to feed our 300,000 people every single day one and a half million pounds every single day has to be shipped in, all right? Anything that we can grow ourselves in our own yards, in our own patios and containers, in our, in our decks or whatever and so forth, anything that we can do reduces that sum total mouthful by mouthful. And we need to do this. We need to do it because it will reduce that total to some extent and because it will also give us an appreciation of how important food is. I want people worrying about their tomato plants, all right? I want them saying, oh my God, have we fed them? Okay, and and you know, like, you know, oh, oh they're, they're dying and look, my tomatoes are cracking because they're not getting enough water frequently and so forth. I want people thinking about food. They're not doing it right now. But the first thing that we can do, and it doesn't cost the city any money, is to actually have people start growing some of their own food. Now, even if you grow some of your own food, there are gonna be things that you need more of or things that you didn't plant that you want. Going to a farmer's market is a great way to do that and also a great way to support a local farmer. But you have to understand that with farmer's markets, you're putting additional work on those local producers. They're not only out there working more than a 40-hour work week. That the 40-hour work week means nothing to people in agriculture. They, this is an industrial notion for industrial workers, all right? But you've got these people 
that are out there growing at all hours and then they have to spend all this time cleaning up their produce so that it looks pretty and then they have to go to the farmer's market and they have to set up their booth and they have to put their displays out there and then they have to sit there and they have to hawk their wares and then when it's over they have to tear down and they have to go home and when they're home they have to go back and they have to start producing food again. Farmers markets are great but what you'll find is that a lot of farmers market, market farmers ultimately back out of it because it is just too time consuming. And now it may be the best way that they can make money, but it, it just, the wear and tear on their bodies to even do this is too great. So in addition to farmer's markets, we have to have institutional markets in Lincoln that will just buy food. And do we have them? Yes, we do. We have the Lincoln public school system. We have private school systems. We have the university cafeteria. We have city government. We have the federal government that may have a, a, uh, a cafeteria service and so forth. We have state government. There are markets out there, but we also have hospitals and we have, we have senior housing for, for people in nursing homes who also need to eat on a regular basis. And they have kitchen facilities so that these people can be fed. There is a huge institutional market out there that at this point is basically relying on Cisco or US Foods to provide most of their food, all right? There's a market out there. We've gotta make sure that our farmers that we have now can operate to capacity because these farmers are not gonna grow food if there's nobody that's gonna buy it. That's a losing economic proposition and they're not gonna make that mistake more than once. So if I could just, so I like this idea of this institutional market because that one brings down cost because cost comes from them having to set up, hawk wares, pay for space, tear down. And that time is, is, is the money, which then goes and raises the price of your bunch of rhubarb, even though it's a weed, I know it grows everywhere and it's delicious, but still it just raises that price. So the hope is by doing a beginning with a more institutional approach, that perhaps it's that notion that healthy fresh food is expensive and too expensive. And that's something that your community survey that you did and as as part of the Sulco plan, that was the big thing that people said is that food's too expensive. But if you put it into the right subsystem, you kind of negate some of that, don't you? Well, you do, you do. And, um, and, and I, I wanna talk about that point. I wanna give one other background point if I could though. All right, so we're gonna need these producers. Guess what? A lot of them don't have land, all right? They, they might have good knees and strong backs and and an extraordinarily appetite for hard work, okay? And they're young and, and they're, they're, they're strong and they're relentless. They're willing to do this, they don't have land. That's why it is so important for the city to be able to have agricultural farmland available to a new generation of young farmers who can get a cheap lease on that land and a perpetual lease on it because no farmer wants to spend five years bringing this land up to peak soil fertility and then having it sold out so that somebody can put a walmart parking lot on top of it all right so we've got to have we got to have soil out there that is ready to be to be farmed and often times it's going to require that we have water infrastructure so that these farmers when they're trying to grow this stuff can walk over to a tap and turn on the water and they'll pay for it and so forth but there's got to be a tap that they can turn on right now the city of lincoln 
has hundreds of acres right now that could be devoted to agriculture, but it's all dry land. There's no water infrastructure on it. So what we're doing here, operating on multiple fronts, and we have to do this simultaneously, all of this needs to march forward together, is we have to have land for farmers, we have to have markets for farmers, we have to have processing for farmers, all right? And then home gardeners need to be doing their part as well. And all of this stuff has to be explained to the city of Lincoln so that they understand why it's important. And how did we get a firsthand awareness of how critical food security is? COVID. COVID showed us that you could end up with empty grocery store shelves. And by the way, when it comes to institutional markets, grocery stores, grocery stores are institutional markets, all right? So restaurants are institutional markets, okay? This is a place that's gonna say, all right, you're gonna bring me 50 pounds of lettuce next week and so forth. But we wanna get to the stage where Lincoln Public Schools will not only buy fresh tomatoes from local farmers, when it's tomato season in August and September. We wanna to get to the point where Lincoln Public Schools will buy preserved tomato products. They'll buy salsa, they'll buy sauce, they'll buy stewed tomatoes, it, all the way down, okay? All across the board, they will buy local tomatoes in a processed form that they can be using all year long. And we need to do this because they're already doing it, only they're not buying processed tomatoes from Lancaster County, they're buying processed tomatoes that they will use in February from California and from Florida. And so all of this stuff has to happen starting now. And we've got to start getting the importance of all this. So we went back to the issue of cost. Yes, but local food is so expensive. Well, there's a good chance that if we have greater avail availability of it, that the price will go down. Right now, it's sort of a elitist product in some respects. On the other hand, if you also are willing to change your diet some, you can bring down the cost of local food. If you don't insist on having meat 21 times a week, I want bacon or sausage with my breakfast. I want a hamburger for lunch. I want chicken for dinner. I want bacon or sausage for my breakfast. I want uh, a bean burrito, a beef burrito for lunch and for dinner. I want pepperoni on my pizza. Okay. If we have to have meat and dairy at every single meal, your food bill is going to go up. On the other hand, if you're willing to move to a more plant-based diet, your food budget can keep pace economically with what's going on. So some of so this is a question of of what our own dietary expectations are. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I did. The only reason that I uh, interject is that we, 30 minutes goes by so fast. So I think that what I, where, where I, one, we need to have you come back on and, and just continue this for part two at, at some other point, perhaps after the uh, uh, city council and county board hearings, just so we can learn more about what the public came out and said about that, that that would be one. Two, um, if people wanted to learn more about this plan and, and then you know, learn more about how they could be involved, where can they read the plan and where can they contact you or who are the correct person would be to, to get involved? Now, the person who is the, the nominal 
individual who is coordinating all of this now for the city is Kim Morrow, who is the chief sustainability officer in the mayor's office. And um, that Kim has, has a job where she's responsible for the entire climate action plan. And food is just one of eight pillars that they are focusing on in that plan. So we're gonna have to have some other staff. Um, and we're gonna have to have a, a person who can coordinate all this. I don't actually have, this is embarrassing on my part. I don't actually have a, a URL for that people can go to, but if you just, if you just Google Lincoln, Lancaster, food, local food system plan and so forth, you will get a URL that will tell you where you can go. There is no hard copy of the plan. All of this was to keep costs down. All of this was done electronically. So it's all, it's all posted online. 